just an absolute monster of a guest today uh, in stature and in uh, reputation. Danny B. Sneaky B. Briere. Danny, what's going on, man? You know, as soon as you jumped on here, Riv and I were just like, oh man, look at him. He's got the, he's got the nice white crisp dress shirt on. He's in the office, just playing, playing the part. It looks good on you. Clean shaven hair is absolutely perfect. He's sitting in an office. Like he's an accountant, like just, it's incredible. It's incredible. You do look like you should be trading stocks. What's that? You have to, they slick the hair back. Oh, they look good, man. You haven't aged a day, Danny. You honestly haven't aged a day. I wish I felt the same way. How's the body feel? Um, you know what's nice is, you know when you play, when you you wake up um, a day after a game and you're rolling out of bed and, you know, the, the back feels like it's 150 years old and you have bumps and bruises everywhere. Every day when I wake up now, I don't, I don't feel any of that is is awesome. So I, I love that side of it. Um Maybe I see you. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I see uh, you shaking your head. You're, you're probably thinking I don't feel that way. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been very fortunate since I stopped playing. My my body feels so much better. Do you do you work out regularly? Do you keep yourself I do. fit? Because uh, you stood up, you put the blinds down. Petey and I are checking out the bod, and uh, you look. Uh, you you still look got the V. Right you still got the the lats going down to the belt and the the the, the waist and the big ass and legs. I, I do work out still, um, but I work out so I can, you know, eat whatever I want and drink some beers, basically. So life is good. Um, life is good. You know, First I'm not, I'm not training. That's the difference. I don't train anymore. I'm just working out so I can somehow keep whatever I, I, I built over the year, but it's definitely decreasing. You look like an elliptical guy. Are you an elliptical guy? <laughs> No, I got my Peloton now. Oh, Peloton of course guy. you do. Of <laughs> course you do. Oh my God, the Peloton! Congrats on the on the uh, on the gig. But I want to say uh, something about Peloton before we go there. Oh yeah, okay. Buddies that are that are riding the Peloton. Okay, they it's religiously riding the Peloton. Here's the thing: they're riding it because the uh, the 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 women that are that are doing the spin classes on the other side, beautiful women, telling you to ride harder, this and that. Is that that's the reason why I think? <laughs> well, you know, my my wife was begging me for a Peloton for a long time, and and I kept saying, "I've done my cardio my whole life. I know what to do. I don't need someone screaming at me, telling me what to do." Um, and I finally gave in about. After about a year, uh, I gave into it and I got the Peloton and I got in the house and I tried it and I was like, oh my God, I don't have to think about a thing. I can just get on it and they're telling me what to do. Um, that, that's the reason why, you know, I, I got addicted. Huh? Awesome. Pel- no, I don't have a Peloton. Number one, they're a little out of my price range. And number two, as you know, Danny, I spent enough time on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> i i spend more time on a bike than i did playing in the nhl so i mean you know uh, my days on, a, on an exercise bike are definitely over congrats on the gig man on the uh being named the assistant general manager of the flyers that must have been a great treat for you thank you yeah it's it's pretty cool um and it was a amazing scenario that happened the last uh, the last month month and a half have been a little crazy um but having a chance to stay with uh, an organization that i know really well all the ins and outs, everybody in, in the system, um, not having to move anywhere. Uh, it's, uh, it makes life a lot easier and super exciting uh, to be part of the, the future of the Flyers. Well, I, I, what, does this, what does this mean for you? 
you know, you're, you get hired and, and obviously, um, you're, you're port, you're part of a management staff now that you're going to have to do a lot of research on, on players, going to have to watch a lot of players. Does this mean that you're going to be traveling, uh, a little bit more to watch certain players that you're keying in on? Yeah, uh, pretty much it. Um, you know, I, I was traveling quite a bit just with the ECHL team being in, in Portland, Maine. I was traveling quite a bit between Philly and, and Portland. Now what it means is I'll be traveling to uh, different cities uh, in the U.S. and Canada to find out about players, both pro and, and amateur. Um, you know, right now we're, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on, on the trade deadline. So it's a little bit more pro hockey uh, the next month, you know, five weeks maybe. And then the focus will shift to uh, you know, the, the amateur draft and the young guys, uh, moving forward, you know, with the way the Flyers are playing this year, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad thing, but at the same time, you know, there's different opportunities that come. And one of those is we might have a, a higher pick than, than we had expected going into the season. So you have to be prepared for that. Well, it didn't take long for people to notice that you were out on duty and, you know, you were in Colorado recently, were you not? Were you doing some scouting in Colorado? I thought we heard uh, somewhere along the lines you were sniffing I was out, out West. Somewhere. I was oh. out west. And, you know, and is that where Claude Giroux's is, going? He's going out west, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I know, like I said earlier, the, the ins and outs of our organization. I know the players. I, I worked in player development with, with a lot of our, our young guys, but I don't know the players out there for different teams. Um, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to do, trying to catch up uh, across the league. You mentioned Colorado, but I saw other teams than just Colorado. Um, you know, and, and it's just getting getting a lay of the land on, you know, knowing the players that, that are out there getting to know them better, how they play, how they, they handle themselves. Um, you know, so that was, uh, it was just part of it. Tell us about the, um, I mean, I, I know you're probably not one that wants to live in the past, but tell us about the, the interview process with Montreal. How, how, like, how did that come about? And, uh, what did you learn going through all that? It was really cool. Um, you know, I, first of all, just to be mentioned, you know, as, as a possible candidate, first of all, uh, it, it was really cool to see, you know, that uh, they had interest in me uh, to make the first cut, the first round of interviews. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, after the first round, I get a call to, to say, oh, you, you made it to the second round. Um, you know, can we can we spend more time with you? Um, you know, it, it was it was awesome. It was a great process. You, you learn um, you know, about yourself, but about the process and uh, how to handle yourself, what needs to, to be said, what needs to be done. Um, you know, cause it was pretty much my first experience in, in that position. So, um, very fortunate. I, I loved it. Um, very lucky to, uh, to be a part of it. Um, just out of curiosity, can you, can you tell us a couple questions that they ask you? Are they wanting to know exactly what you feel about their players, their team, what your focus is, you know, for this team moving forward yeah. and what you would be doing yeah. with the team? Like, that, that's all, that's all part of it. That's all part of it. And, you know, you, you have to be prepared for that. Um, like you mentioned, you, you have to know their, their team. Um, they want to know if you think the same way as them, if you see the same things or if you're, you know, kind of out to lunch and, and how you evaluate player players, I guess. 
Um, you know, they, you got to come up with some kind of a vision and, and a plan too. Um, do you have to, do you have to know salary cap stuff? I mean, are you sitting there going like, do you have to, to know like what moving a player out means to the cap, bringing players in? I mean, like how far down the road are you talking about a team in an interview? You know what I mean? When it comes to, to building the team. Well, I, I mean, obviously I want to be careful here, but um, you, you got to be aware of what's going on. I don't think you, you know, I, I didn't know all the, the ins and outs of the CBA, um, you know, but you, you have to be, um, I guess, aware of where they're at, what, or approximately what their players are, are making. If you start talking about someone, um, so you got to, you got have to know their team is, you know, I, I think one of the uh, main things, you know, going into an interview process. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we, we have Elliot Friedman on weekly and, you know, he, he kept tell, telling us like Daniel Briere is a, is a serious candidate, like, uh, you know, so, I mean, did like, did it come right down to the wire? When did you find out that it wasn't going to be you? There were uh Montreal was very classy about it. They gave me a call before they announced uh, Kent Hughes to, uh, to let me know. Um, you know, and, uh, like I said, it, it was very classy. They, they handled it, um, just like the much you would expect of the Montreal Canadians. Um, you know, and it was, like I said, I was, I was honored to be a part of it, um, to be all the way down to the wire, uh, like it did. Um, it was, it, it was a great experience and something that's going to help me for the future. Yeah. More prepared for next time. I think you have to, uh, you understand the process of the whole, the whole thing. And I think next, uh, next time, uh, next time you'll be more prepared for it. And probably a lot less nervous too. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can only imagine like, I mean, that must like, you like, uh, well, what, what's more nerve wracking, like playing a big game or, you know, interviewing for the job of, of a yeah. lifetime. I probably felt in, in a game I have a little bit more control over, you know, what I what I can control than than in the in the interview where you know you don't know what the questions are are going to be, um, you know, and you can't uh, if you get frustrated you can't turn around and slash someone, so you know, stay in control a little bit more. You say turn around and slash someone. It's funny. Craig said today that he hated playing against you, and then I. I I just, I remember playing against you when I was in Jersey and I ended up on the ice against you because you guys had last change. We were in Philly and we were skating up the ice and you two handed me. Do you remember this? You two handed me across the back of the legs. And I looked, I was like, what the, and you're like, and you gave me that like uh, little chuckle. He starts chuckling at me and skating away. And I just, Oh my God. I'm like, do I go and smack Danny B around or do I let this one slide? Lucky for me, you let it slide. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I had some, uh, I had some good ones with ribs too. We were going back and forth with each other many times. So yeah, I, I, I mean, didn't like facing them either. I'm so happy that you're doing great right now, Danny B. <laughs> like I couldn't stand you when we played against each other. Oh my god, you were so skilled. Obviously, the the elite in the league and and uh, and how you played the game and you know the thing that sucked about you is, you know, you could intimidate a lot of players in the, in the game back in the day. And you were like a feisty, just a, just a feisty little friggin' Wolverine, a little honey badger. Like you, the more you went after you, the more that you started to kind of 
fight back all the time. And I, I respected you, but I, I hated you. I did not <laughs> like playing against you at all because uh, I usually came out on the wrong end of uh, a lot of the stuff that happened. But you so, guys played together. I don't know. Did, did you not? Did, no, go ahead. You were going to say something. No, I was going to say it, it might have looked like that from the outside, but I, I was hurting. And there's a lot of nights where I was intimidated, uh, but I just didn't want to show it. Yeah. Well, you guys played together, though, in the world championships. Yeah. So yeah. we had the uh, Misfit Toys, uh, you know, uh, team <laughs> that uh, they they didn't think that we would win a game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We weren't supposed to be anything special and uh, ended up winning gold. So it was, it was pretty cool. Tell, tell me this, Danny, I've heard, I've heard a couple stories about the shenanigans that went on at the, at the world championships that year. Did something happen uh, with uh, Sean Horkoff's room? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I don't remember much about it. I'm trying to forget. <laughs> Craig wanted me Craig, <laughs> look at Craig smiling. Craig wanted me to ask you if you were one of the players hiding under the table in the, in the player's room. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know anything. I'm going to deny everything till the end. Take Absolutely. It. I said the same thing. I'm like, we're, you know, I, I wish I would have been up for it. I was in my room sleeping. So, you know, I, I heard it was quite uh, the festivities that, oh. uh, that happened that night. Oh, but anyway, I was sleeping brought- too. No, no, I was sleeping too. There what you. happened? What, what is the story? I know I'll let ribs. Let <laughs> <laughs> he brought it up. <laughs> Should we there was this? a, uh, I'll just say this. There was uh, a room, an eye hole, and a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and that's all I'm saying. And uh, we ended up winning gold. <laughs> so we ended up uh, Matt Sundin, I think Nicholas Lindstrom, yeah. Forsberg, if I'm Forsberg not. Forsberg came in at, at the end. I yeah. mean, they were, they were absolutely loaded with, I'm not just talking high-end players. I'm talking elite, elite players. And oh, yeah. uh, it, we were destined. I mean, what a team that came together. The, I, I, I look at us as, uh, you know, we didn't, our, our superstar was you. I mean, our superstar was Danny B and, uh, the amazing thing, how about this, Danny B? I don't even know if you remember this, but please, hopefully you do. I played power play. And I played on the forward line. Do you remember you, that? As you should play the power play. No, I shouldn't. But I played on the power play in front of the net, if you remember that. Uh, Probably not. not ringing okay, a, great. I don't thanks, for, thanks for backing me up there, Danny. Not ringing yeah. a bell, Danny. Not ringing a bell. <laughs> So anyway, Danny, we, uh, when we were talking about when you, when you said you'd come on some of the things that we wanted to talk to you about it, like there, there are things, I mean, I know I played with you for well, three or four or four or five or six or six or three years. So there are things I don't know about you. I mean, like going all the way back to before junior, you know, and like, uh, Riv and I wanted to know, like we look, we were talking about your stats and your, I mean, your stats in the NHL are incredible. Your playoff stats are incredible. And, you know, obviously we want to talk to you about some time in the NHL, but what were you like before junior? Like, like how good were you when you were younger? Were you always the best kid on the team? Cause you don't just walk into junior hockey and put up a hundred plus points every single year. You know, if you're not 
unreal leading up to it. You know what? You know what's funny? It's um, growing up. I mean, I was I was always uh, I think a, a decent player, um, but I wasn't even the best player on my team. Um, you know, thinking about the Squirts, Pee Wee, Bantam's year, Bantam years. Um, you know, there's there's uh, one of the player who I'm still really good friends with. His name's Mario Dumais. And Mario was, you know, I think when he was 12 years old, he was, you know, 5'9", 180 pounds and could score on a slap shot from the red line. Um, you know, and he, people were comparing him to the next, you know, Cam Neely back then. He was our best player. He was the guy that, um, growing up, that our team was built around. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, he stopped growing, unfortunately. Um, he's still the, the same height as he was, maybe a couple extra LBs, but, um, you know, he, he was, he was the leader of our team until maybe, you know, my first year of, uh, U16, uh, when I went away, um, to play and, uh, you know, so I, I followed in his footsteps for a lot of years and he, he, we both played, uh, U16s together. We won a championship together. We played on the same line back, by, back, back then, uh, that U16 year, um, I was in the middle, but he was on the wing. And he got drafted, played juniors. I, we played together junior one year, but um, but it's funny how how things go. Like I, you know, looking back, he was the best player, and um, I was I was kind of a sidekick. Now, when did you, you say ever you play in brick, did you ever play in the brick tournament? I, I never got to play in the brick. No. What about the did Quebec you, uh, the Quebec tournament? No, we uh, they took the, the the first team in our in our league, and we were in second place, so didn't get to make that either. No kidding, eh? So when you when you say U sixteen, is that midget? Yeah. Okay. Midget I, I heard I heard midget hockey in Quebec is insane. With like people come out and like thousands of people come out and watch the the yeah, midget hockey. In Quebec. Yeah, it's a big deal. So at fifteen, I played. Uh, I had to go play up north. They, they didn't have a team in my hometown, so played up north in Amos. And uh, the following year, there was an expansion team in Gatineau. And so I came back that year and we won the championship. We were, we won the whole league that year. So were, you weren't uh, drafted as an underage into the Quebec major junior. No, nope, I was, uh, I was too small. They, <laughs> I was 129 pounds. Um, so way too small. So nobody took me. And then uh, the following year, um, you know, I was, I started contemplating going over and playing college hockey. Um, so I dropped, I, I think I was ranked, first or second, but I ended up dropping to number six. Drummondville didn't believe I was going to go college. Um, they took a chance, drafted me at number six. They were able to uh, to convince me to play junior hockey. Where, where were you going to go to college? What, what schools were you considering? I, I visited a few places, but at the end, it, it was, it was going to be Harvard. Um, you know, I school was easy. I, I didn't, ha- I didn't struggle in school. I, I didn't put in the work. It just came easy. So I can't really take credit for it. It's not like I was a, a hard worker at school. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the place that I was strongly considering. We had from Gatineau, Steve Martin. Remember Steve Martin played in, played in St. Louis, I think Ottawa for a few years. So he's a I remember graduate. The name. I remember the name. Yeah. So he's a grad, he was a Harvard graduate and he was from my hometown and we had you know, a few discussions with his dad and, um, got in touch with, you know, with the school, they started calling and, 
Um, it, it honestly was was really close. And then I, I decided to, uh, you know, a French kid, I was afraid of the language. I didn't speak English when I was uh, at the time with 15, 16 years old. And it was a big decision to make. Um, looking back, I, I, I don't know that it was... Um, so the right, if I make the right, the, the same one today, but at the time, um, you know, I, I had watched junior hockey growing up and I was so excited to have the chance to, to play there and I didn't speak English. That scared me as well. And I decided to, uh, to sign on with Drummondville. Do you ever, so do you ever, no, 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 Riv, you, 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 you've dominated here. I, I got to ask this question. Do you ever, obviously things worked out. But do you ever sit and wonder, like, what if I went to Harvard? Like, I mean, does it ever, like, does it ever cross your mind? It, it does, but I, I, I don't, I don't linger on it too much. Uh, I try to cut it up, cut it off shortly. I mean, it, it worked out. I, I was treated great in Drummondville and, and ended up work, working out well, um, you know, but yeah, here and there you start thinking, what if, um, the, the, the thing that comes up is like, would I, would would I have been able to, to graduate from there is what I wonder. It's it, that too. But if you, if I think people need to realize too, if you were going to college back when we were playing in junior hockey, you essentially had zero chance of making the national hockey league. And not that that was not that that was the focus. Like my focus when I went to junior hockey was not to play in the National Hockey League. I was just I I was just maybe maybe I was naive. I just went to the next level and just kept on yeah. playing. But you know, if you if you're going to college back, you know, 30 years ago or when whenever we were we had to make those decisions, you essentially didn't have a chance of making the NHL because right the large majority of players were coming out of the, uh, coming out of the CHL. Well, and if they were coming out of college, they weren't coming from Harvard. No, I mean, not a lot of them anyway. Yeah. And and, and the game has completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, I I was 130 pounds. You know, the NHL for me was so far fetched at that time. Um, You know, in the back of your mind, you're a little kid, you grew up in Canada you hope that one day you play in the NHL. But for me, it was, everybody kept telling me that I was way too small. That I had no chance. So, you know, you, you get to a point where you start believing that a little bit. And it wasn't playing junior hockey for me. wasn't the next step to the NHL or a closer step to the NHL. It was, all right, I'm going to play junior hockey because I, I watched it growing up and yeah. it's my mini NHL. Um, but, you know, after that, I'll have to focus on, on school and, Finding a way and finding a good job eventually. Um, Be, the NHL was out of my mind. Being in the role you're in, you know, I mean, going for a GM interview now, assistant general manager, and you're scouting players and things like that. When it comes to drafting players these days, I mean, I want to get back to your NHL career in Phoenix and obviously Buffalo and 06, 07 and all that. But when it comes to drafting players now, is there is there more emphasis put on college players because they are further along in their development, or is that kind of a, a myth that I'm I'm misreading? Well, the college hockey now is very competitive. Um, you know, it's you so many guys that that come out of it, so you, you pay attention to it a lot, a lot more. Um, you know, but but a lot of the time, these. These kids are, are at their draft during their draft. They're not even college. They're they're in USA USHL or they're in the US development right. program. Um, you know, but once they're drafted, nowadays the college route is is a good route. Um, it's competitive hockey. I mean, 
been watching, you know, my son playing in it. We've been yeah. watching on the bean pot the last uh, few weeks. I mean, there's some really good hockey and and now the players are um, making strides playing in, in college hockey. So it's, it's, it's an extra avenue for the players. What league is better right now? A D one right now, or, or say the, the CCHL or the CHL. Hey, yeah. It's, it's so tough to, to tell. Um, you know, I, I think the, there's, there's more data. Look, the players are um, older, stronger. They're more mature in college because you have yeah. got players that are, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. Yeah. So um, I, I think D1 oh. hockey is probably has more depth, but yeah. the high end talent, um, you know, for a long time, you saw more in the CHL. I think it's starting to shift a little bit. There's some really good players. I mean, it's, it's just shifted. Jack it's not a little bit. It's shifted quite yeah. a bit oh, in the last bit, number yeah. of years. Yeah. You know, the, the, the top players are coming out of the national development program. I mean, they're loaded with kids that, um, you know, are, are, are being drafted in the first round. And it shows you how far, you know, USA hockey has come, um, you know, in the last 10, 15 years. Danny, take me to your, uh, your first couple years pro. I mean, did, did things like, I mean, I'm looking at your stats right now, but I mean, you had great stats in Phoenix and, but what, what happened there? I mean, did things, did things not pan out the way, you know, they had expected or you had expected, or, I mean, like what happened in the end that you ended up being traded to Buffalo? There's, there's a couple issues, mostly with me. Um, You know, when I first came in, I had never really faced a lot of adversity you know, minor hockey, the midget hockey, the junior hockey, first year pro, uh, everything went, went well, you know, and then it was, it was my turn. And first of all, physically, I, I wasn't quite there as a late bloomer. Um, so, I, you know, at 20, when it was my chance to play in the NHL, physically, I just wasn't quite ready yet. Uh, yet. College hockey probably would have helped me a couple extra years to, to bulk up a little bit. Um, and, and then mentally as well, like I, like I mentioned earlier, the, the, the not facing a lot of hurdles early. Um, I wasn't equipped, equipped mentally to, to face it. And, uh, you know, the first year I expected to play in the minors, got a little bit of success at the end of the year when I got called up. And then the following year I expected to, to make it. And, you know, when, uh, when I was sent down, I started uh, pointing fingers a little bit, looking at blaming someone else than rather than looking at myself. And that probably cost me a couple of years in, in the minors um, before I was able to uh, reshift, you know, my, my outlook and, and kind of take the blame for what was happening rather than, than blaming everybody else around me. So like, did you actually get into like, get into it like verb? I don't want to say altercation, but like getting into it with the general manager or the coach or whatever under with the decision. No, not really. It was just more, um, you know, pouting body language, you know, not wanting to be there. You guys have probably seen a bunch of guys, yeah. you know, yeah. being sent down and pouting and thinking, I, I don't belong here. I'm too good for this. And, you know, your ego gets hurt, um, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's probably what I'm most ashamed of in my career is the way I handled you know, my second and third year pro when I was sent down to the minors instead of grasping the opportunity to prove to them that I belong up in the NHL. I, there's was too much there a power. certain, was there a certain veteran player 
that kind of came to you in the minors and kind of said, listen, kid, you know, you need to, to wake the heck up right now. Um, just keep working, doing what you have to do and, and you'll be there. Or, or was it just something where they, they left you alone? Um, yeah, they, they mostly left me alone. I, I, I'd say, you know what, where it really changed for me was um, uh, the Coyotes sent me to see a sports psychologist. Now, you go back, we're in, in 1999. Sports psychologists back then, it was a very taboo subject. Nobody mentioned them. They weren't allowed around hockey teams. You never saw them. You never talked about it. And uh, they sent me to see a sports psychologist. And um, I still remember the, the first meeting. He said, uh, you know, what's going on? Why, why are you struggling so much? And, you know, I started unloading and blaming everybody else around me. And after a while, he stopped me and made me realize that I haven't, hadn't looked at myself or taken blame for any of it. Um, so he said, just go home, think about it. And, you know, if, uh, if you want to see me again, give me a call. And I remember going home and, you know, being all pissed off on, on my drive home. Now you're starting to you know, blame the sports psychologist on the way home. Thinking, you didn't <laughs> listen to me. You didn't listen to a single thing I told them, you know, and, and I was upset. Then I went to bed that night all upset about the sports psychologist because th this guy doesn't get it. He, he didn't listen to me. He didn't get anything that I said to him. And I woke up the next day and I, and I started thinking a little bit, well, maybe he's got a little bit of right. And then I went to bed the second night and that's when it kind of clicked that, you know, maybe I was the problem or I was the problem. And so on, on the third day, I gave him a call back and started working with him. And uh, um, he gave me a lot of tools mentally to, to kind of get over it. And it wasn't just, you know, people think it's, it's just, oh, he, you know, you start looking at yourself and you're going to play better. No, you, you need tools. There's, there's ways that you can do that. And there's ways that you can prepare yourself uh, for a game or whatever adversity uh, you're facing, um, you know, and that, that's where really the turnaround kind of started. You know what? I, I mean, hearing you say all these things, it's just incredible to me. It is incredible. And the reason why I say that is I, I went through junior hockey and I played against fantastic, fantastic players. I knew of players in the Quebec Major Junior League. I knew of players in the Western Hockey League. And I, you know, kind of kept up on, on their successes and what they were doing in the minors. And there were so many players, so many players, just like yourself, that had some, some attitude issues that, mm -hmm. you know, there was blame. Like, hey, I'm too good to be in the minors. Yeah. I deserve to be up there. So you know what they did? They stopped working out. They stopped uh, going on the ice first, shooting pucks. And at the yep. end of practice, they, they stopped enjoying the after the practice stuff. And then they wouldn't be riding the bike to get in better shape. They, they left because they had bad attitudes. Do you know how many players did not make it that easily should have and could have made it? It's, it would be mind-boggling. Yeah. And, and, and you know what the sad part is? It still happens. Even with all the information that's out there today, we still see that and it still happens. It's not an easy thing to handle, um, you know, but you would hope that nowadays with all the information that's out there, um, that it wouldn't happen as much and you still see it. So take us, take us up to the trade to Buffalo. I mean, you were having a great year in Phoenix for a young kid. I mean, 46 points in 68 games. 
I mean, eh, plus minus was was a little on, yeah. on the on the other side, but I mean, so you get traded to Buffalo. Wasn't his fault. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, your fault. Playing with you <laughs> had your guy, eh, Danny? <laughs> so what's what's the mindset coming to Buffalo? Because at the time, Buffalo was not a, a destination place to go. In fact, that's probably why Darcy traded for you was because he saw that potential in you. So what was your mindset coming to coming to Buffalo? Well, first of all, you got to go back to those stats. You're right. The plus minus was bad and I, I was struggling. So the year before I had a really good year, but that year that I got traded to Buffalo, I, I was struggling. And I, I think, I, I don't know, I was, you know, one of the, the expectations were high and the team was supposed to be better than we were, but we were fighting for a, a playoff spot. And, um, you know, thinking if you go back out West at that time, you had, you every team had a big center down the middle. Uh, you think, I mean, Eric Lindros, I think was in Dallas. Uh, Jason Allison was in LA. Um, Joe Thorne was in uh, San Jose. Uh, Gets Lap in Anaheim was coming up. So all those teams that we were fighting with, they had those big centermen. And, you know, and I was on, on the smaller side. Um, and the Coyotes fell to make the playoffs. They needed a big center. And that's where Chris Bratton came into play. Um, you know, and I was the, the, the guy, unfortunately going the, the other way to, uh, the Buffalo. And it, it was tough because our, our, um, our GM was threatening us that he would trade us to, to Buffalo if, you know, if we didn't perform and was hanging that over your head. <laughs> so, so we had a couple of <laughs> threats about <laughs> making tra- trades with Buffalo that they were calling guys are uh, going so really it, hard or what guys it, started it really it, moving. Yeah, hey, Danny, <laughs> it made us uh, not want to go to Buffalo. Um, but I, I remember that trade deadline, Brad May was um, on our team too. And there's a lot of rumors that he was going to get traded to, to Ottawa. And I thought I was safe. Look, I was a young, young player as the future of the, the Coyotes along with Shane Doan. So I, I wasn't going anywhere. And, um, you know, I was telling Brad May, I was like, Oh, don't worry, Brad. I, I know a lot of people in Ottawa. If you get traded to Ottawa, we'll take good care of you. And uh, he was the first one to come see me after he found out about the trade to Buffalo to tell me the same thing, that he had a lot of friends in Buffalo that he would. What were your thoughts when you were told that you be got totally to honest, because everybody listening that's from Buffalo knows how much you loved Buffalo. So be honest, because it, everybody around the league feels the same way, Danny, until they get there and play. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No. So my, my first and, you know, my, my friends were calling me from back home when they found out and everybody was the same way. I was like, oh, my God, you're traded to Buffalo. Your career is over. They play a defensive system. They win games one nothing. Lindy Ruff doesn't believe in offense. All he does is, is defense. You're, you're pretty much done. Um, that was, my, you know, the first impression going in. And Just answer the damn question. <laughs> so the... Um, you know, I couldn't be, I couldn't have been more out to launch about Buffalo than, than what I thought I was coming into. Lindy Ruff, you know, was one of the best coaches I've, I've had. He let us do whatever we wanted on offense. It turned out to be, um, you know, the best thing that happened to me as a player being traded to Buffalo. Those must have been in the private meetings. Hey, they were the ones, the ones where they're like, you can try anything on offense because the other nine, oh, 10, you know 11, what? 12. You didn't words. get the memo? Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't in those meetings. <laughs> <laughs> we're not asking when you got there and you started to have all this success. I don't give, give a crap about that. I want to know your initial reaction. So when they told you you're going to Buffalo, what's your initial reaction? 
Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't too, too excited about it. Um, you, you hear the rumors and you're sick um, to your stomach. Yeah. And, and you didn't call the GM for two months. And, and look, I was in, in Phoenix, Arizona, where it was sunny every day and you could oh, go out man. golfing in between, you know, practices, um, you know, to, uh, the beautiful weather in, in Buffalo. So, um, no, it, it, the initial thoughts were not very positive, but, um, like I said, it was, it was the best thing that happened to me. When did, when, when did you realize, and, and Craig was alluding to himself there, because when he got traded to Buffalo, you were already gone, but <laughs> Craig, Craig didn't call Darcy for two months. <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> he wouldn't return his calls. He I wasn't was going to so, go, so quit. <laughs> I was so angry. I can't even listen to me. It really didn't have anything to do with Buffalo. It didn't. It had to do that I played for the Montreal Canadiens for, for 12 years. I get traded to San Jose. I love my time there. Okay. It was, it was paradise. And we were also one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. I think we were, we, we ended second in the league that year. I get traded to Buffalo. It's, it's not that it was Buffalo. It was, it was going back to the same division that I had already played 12 years in where when I went to San Jose and going to those buildings, LA, Anaheim, Dallas, you know, Phoenix, it was like being in a new NHL. Everything was fresh and it was like, it felt good. Now I got traded back to the same division that I just came from. That's yeah. what made me, I, I wanted something fresh. I wanted something new. Yeah. And, I, well, and I hated Buffalo. I hated playing against Buffalo. I really hated Buffalo. Yeah. I, I, I can see, I can see that. So, so to me, it was different because I started out West and, you know, I, I think growing up such a, a big hockey fan and I, I missed that hockey atmosphere um, of playing in the East, playing in, you know, Buffalo, Boston, Montreal, Toronto. Yeah, like I, I yeah. missed playing in those cities where people uh, just care so much about, about the sport. And see, I was spoiled. Right. Yeah. You, you started I wanted to, a, I wanted to go and wear flip flops all day. <laughs> there you go. So I, I saw it as an opportunity pretty quickly coming to Buffalo, um, light travel, playing, you know, in, in game, in, in big games, you know, every night, easy to get motivated for. Um, so it was, like I said, it didn't, didn't take me long to, to adapt to it and to realize how much of a hockey city, Buffalo was. And, and, and I wanted to be part of that because, you know, I had been in Phoenix organization for the last you know, four or five years. And, you know, the, the priority in, in Phoenix you know, certainly wasn't the Coyotes. So it, it was pretty cool coming to Buffalo and see the enthusiasm of the fans uh, regarding their team. You had a good year in 0304. I mean, anybody listening, Craig, Craig doesn't allow us to talk about 0506 and 0607 because those are the only two years that ever mattered in my life. Um, you had a great year in 0506 and you end up going to arbitration that year and you get a pretty nice award, right? You got, is that the year you went to arb? I, I went back to back years and. Oh, did you, did you go in 0304 too? I didn't know that. The big year was 0506. Yeah. That was Correct. the one where you, you blew the doors off the league and you had 90, what'd you have? Uh, 58 points in 48 games. But I mean, you know, you were on pace for a hundred, but, and I remember you had the, what'd you have the abdominal injury? 
that year. Yeah. That was the year. I think that was the year that you and JP made the trip to Montreal and right. went to see Dr. Mulder. And then you guys took me out with you. And uh, we went and got some late night poutine. I was telling Ribs this story the other day and we brought some back <laughs> to Palmer, but you're an assistant GM now, Danny. So we yeah, were, I, I didn't do that. We, yeah, we late, but the late night poutine, was it at the place that was right beside the old forum where you had to go downstairs? No. That wasn't I it. I, it I thought it was. maybe I went a couple times, but I thought it was a place where you walk in the side door and it's like all glass and you go down the stairs and it was it like, wasn't called the greasy spoon. It was really bright inside. That's all I remember. I don't think so no. I remember my eyes were hurting. Um, and then, so you, so you have, we have Oh five Oh six, you go to arbitration and you're awarded 5 million. And you know, I mean, and this is where, this is where the tensions kind of get interesting, right? Yeah. Because you go into a, a, a one-year deal after having the season you had, and then we go, you go, just go off, and you have 95 points in 81 games. You're healthy all year. We win the President's Trophy. And then how close were you, if at all, to signing back with Buffalo? Like, what were you asking for? Um, and, and what were they kind of, where were they? How far apart were you guys? Because that... We, we, we never had the... We never had any discussions, to be honest. Um, because of, because when you're you go to arbitration, you cannot sign until um, I believe it's after January first. Um, so I, you know, it was Chris and I. The thing is, Chris Jury and I, you know, wanted to play together. We wanted to keep the team together, um, and you know, if one was going to sign, uh, it was coming in as a package um you know so uh, you know i think they've has, has had some talks with chris um i can't you'd have to check with him to to, to confirm that uh but they never uh, called us we never had any talks until um, i think it was four or five days before uh july 1st and and by then we had waited you know for two months after the season that we're like okay well at this point, we're just going to wait till July 1st. We waited yeah. so long. Yeah. Um, after the season, they had to re-sign Darcy Regeer and Lindy Ruff. And that took almost a month just to do that. Um, and they told us they wanted to focus on management first. And then they would you know, come down to the players later. Um, so we waited, waited. And uh, after they signed Lindy and, and Darcy. Uh, getting angry over here. How'd that work? I'm getting out? so angry over here. great move. <laughs> so it was surprising in my mind. I was going to be a, a, a saber for life. You know, and that's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to stay. Um, so it was a little surprising. And, um, you know, about a week before uh, free agency, that's when I realized that they weren't serious uh, moving forward. And I had to uh, start looking at different options. Yeah, now, is um, this is this true that and, and this is just something that I heard could not be true that you were just you were looking for a five year deal for five million dollars per year? Yes, that, that was the range. Yeah, that was the range. We we thought that was something in that range was going to be fair. Um, maybe a little bit more than that, but um, it was way more money than I had ever expected to make, you know, playing a game for, you know, for a living. So um, you know, and then all of a sudden it, it just never happened and it was, nothing was ever discussed. So 
became a free agent and um, crushed it. You know, it was. Uh, you only signed for fifty-two crazy. million over over eight years, so so you <laughs> yeah, got so. twenty-seven more million for an extra for an additional three years with Philly than you would have got over five years with Buffalo. So good, yeah, good for you, Danny. I remember where I was that day. I can tell you where I was sitting when I heard the news. I'll never he forget was it. Sobbing. I was <laughs> sobbing, man. Like our whole how team many people cried? I swear to God, when I crumbled in twelve minutes, crumbled. Yes. How many people cried that day? So many. Well, I don't know the statistics. I don't have analytics on those numbers, Craig, but I can tell you that, you know, I mean, I know that our entire team was just, we were devastated. It was a devastating day, Danny. I'll never forgive you for that. Um, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just kidding with you, man. But um, yeah, I mean, what was what, like, you get that offer from Philadelphia. Were there any other teams that were in, I mean, probably not in that price range, maybe, but were there any other teams that, at the time that you were talking to or, or was it just, yeah, there was, um, yeah, there was five other teams that I had on my list that I, you know, I circled as targets. Um, and, and all five teams were there, um, you know, and, and surprisingly Philadelphia was the lowest offer of, of that group. So, you know, when, when that hope, that opened on, on July 1st. Like I realized pretty quickly that um, Philly was the lowest offer. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I realized pretty quickly that, uh, you know, money wasn't an issue at that point. Um, it was way more money that, than I know what to do with. So the, the focus really became, you know, where, where can I have the most success? Where can I, I find a team that's trending in the right direction that, um, I have a, you know, the better chance of winning a Stanley cup and, you know, being successful with, with that contract. Cause I, I knew, so you sign a big contract like that. You, you want it to be, um, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it and you want to be successful. And, uh, you know, looking at what the flyers were building at the time with Paul Holmgren was doing with the team. I, I thought that was, you know, a great fit. Okay. Come on. Give, give us, Give us the other teams that you wanted to go to. That would that made, I don't want to know the prices or the numbers. You don't have to get. Did any of them hit sixty million, Danny? Or any of them six? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go there. Please. Okay, okay, fine. But, but okay, so like, like who who was on your list? Who was on your well, list? Well, one one team that's out there, like everybody knows. I mean, Montreal was was. The well, that's that a dream. That's a dream wire. opportunity. So exactly, it was. Um, you know, so my, my heart was telling me Montreal, but my head was, was telling me, you know, Philadelphia is the right place. Um, you know, just the way the team was built, having a chance to play with Simo Gagne and Mike Knubel, uh to start with. And, you know, some of the young superstars and Mike Richards and, and Jeff Carter, it was, uh, it, it was tough to pass up. And if you remember uh, earlier that week, Paul Holmgren made a trade for Kimo Tiemann and Scott Hartnell as well, and Jason Smith on that day. So like things were, were just lining up. I thought for, for a good setup in Philly. What kind of Danny B go ahead. Go ahead, River. And we'll wind this down. We got to let you go. We got, we got to let you go. We got to let you go because you're a busy man. Petey and I, we have nothing to do the rest of the day, (laughs) but I wanted to go over just a quick rapid fire. Okay. Okay. Just a couple questions. PD, it's my show too. Okay. It's my show too. <laughs> Favorite city to play in? As, as an opponent? 
Is this a hard question? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the way you worded it I, is, I, is favorite, I played for a lot of teams. Played for a lot of teams. Okay. Favorite city or favorite team you played for? I have to say Philly. We're going to edit that out. Are you serious right now? Well, I mean, I, I could have told you that. No, it's how you can't say Buffalo Rib because I mean he went to the finals with Philly. Now he's the assistant general manager of Philly. They gave him life after he's hockey. Like a Philly. god here, he's literally like a god here. And you're gonna sit there and you're gonna say Philly? It's hogwash. Anyway, favorite coach. That's a toss up between Lindy Ruff and uh, Peter Laviolette. Okay. Favorite city to go to. Montreal. Favorite restaurant. Da Vinci in Montreal. So good. <laughs> Favorite game you played in? If there's one that you can remember. One game. There's, well, there's so many of them, but I, you know what? The um, four assists in the CHL top prospects. Don't forget that game. <laughs> That's right up there too. Um, I, I think the, the double overtime game against, Philly game one of the uh what was it 2000 2005 six oh five six no with yeah. Buffalo with Buffalo against Philly um game one overtime Did you win score? that was yeah and double overtime oh, okay that was probably one of one of my best game to be a part of so most skilled player that you played with I might, I might have to. I mean, there, there's. You can't a say lot, yourself either. I, I might have to say skilled. Tim Conley. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Player with the Pure hardest skill. shot. Hardest shot. Shane Doan. Bomb. Funniest guy you've ever played with. Uh, Scotty Hartnell. Okay. Yeah, I didn't like him either. But, uh, 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 you know what? I, I didn't mean, like playing against that guy either, but he was, no. man, what a great player what a he great was. Great player. And he's a great type of guy. Yeah, he's the type of guy that you definitely would just want to go to battle with. But I hate yeah. him. Oh, my Lord, man. Um, Petey, you got any more? That's got it. any good Jeremy Roenick stories? He comes on with us once a week. <laughs> oh, my God. JR. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that we can tell on, on this. Okay. All right. Love well, we it. can tell it on this, but that's fine. <laughs> Maybe offline. I can give you some pointers. Yeah, there you go. What was it like playing in Montreal as a kid from Montreal? It, it, it was pretty amazing. Oh, I know um, you're not from Montreal, but you're from. No, I, but I grew up a Habs fan. Yeah. Um, you know, with the, the most amazing. So not, is, not a, not a Nordiques fan. I wasn't a Nordiques fan, no. Oh, okay. I would like to see them back in the NHL, but I wasn't a Nordiques fan growing up. <laughs> Obvious, you'd you'd like to see them back there, AGM, eh, huh? The uh, oh. the rivalry with Montreal would be pretty cool again. But um, where were we going with this? I was oh, asking Montreal. about playing in Montreal. Rip the, keeps uh, interrupting. Don't mind him. Stanley Cup Final that year in fourteen. Um, and, and Riz will understand in the third round, in the second round, sorry, we ended up playing the Boston Bruins. Um, 
you know, one of the greatest rivalry in sports and, uh, you know, all the way to game seven. But after I still remember we were on the plane after game five, we get crushed in Boston in game five. Boston goes up three, two on us uh, and they beat us five, nothing. And we're on, we're on the plane back to Montreal to play game six. And I'm sitting in there's um, Travis Mullen, Brian Gionta and Jeff, uh, Josh Georges um, on a table, the four of us. And they start talking about how we have the Bruins exactly where we want. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking around at these guys and like, you guys are clueless. <laughs> we just got spanked five nothing in game five. Hey, yeah, we might win game six, but the chances come back to Boston and win game seven are slim to none. And they're like, no, Danny, you don't get it. He's like, we've played in, in those games against them. They can't control themselves. They're, they're losing their mind. They just want to hurt us. They just want to, you know, punish us. And they're, they're losing control. Watch it. And they were right. And we, we won, I think we won game six. I can't remember if it was two, one or one, nothing. And, uh, and then we ended up beating them in, in game seven back in, in Boston. And it was, you know, one of those amazing feet, you know, as, as a Habs fan growing up, being part of a team that beats the Boston Bruins in, in the Stanley cup playoffs, we yeah. flew back to Montreal in the city. It, it was, it wasn't the riots stuff, but it was pretty close. Um, people were celebrating in, in the streets, uh, in the bars everywhere. Like it was, it was yeah. mayhem. And was, was that the Lucic year? You Lucic and Weiss year when that happened in the, the handshake line? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And I was, you know, who started all that was, uh, Andre Markov, uh, Andre Markov and, uh, Lucic had been going at it, you know, the whole series. And, and for Andre, he knew he couldn't, he couldn't hurt Lucic, um, you know, physically. The only thing, the other, the only way you could beat him is by, you know, beating him with the Kirby. score at the scoreboard. So okay, when that too, yeah. <laughs> so when in the handshake, I think Markov, when they, they shook hand, Lucic wasn't, didn't look at him in the eye. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, a Russian thing where you, you, you know, a respect thing where you look him in the eye when you shake hands. And Lucius was looking away and Markov grabbed him and he, he squeezed him and he pulled him in and he says, look at me when, when you shake my hand. And, and I think that's when Lucic kind of, kind of lost it a little bit. And then he ended up a couple players later it was Weiss and, you know, he snapped on Weiss and then Amelin came in and kind of lost it on Amelin too. <laughs> so the handshake almost turned into a brawl, um, which was pretty interesting. You, you wow. say you, you say you grew up a Habs fan. So what was it like playing for Patrick Waugh in Colorado? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I, I loved everything about it. Pat Patrick was, uh, was very demanding. Um, but he, you know, and that's the thing that like, he was so well prepared. I, I was surprised how much time Patrick Waugh put in to his, um, you know, video, his preparation, his system, like he, he was, he was so prepared. The, I was amazed by it. Um, he would come in, you know, 6am every day. He would be there till late at night. Like it was, it was actually really impressive how, you know, a superstar like Patrick Waugh spent so much time um, on, on coaching. Um, I, I loved him. I think he was great. Um, most players, you know, I, and look, you're not going to, not every player is going to like the coach, but, 
uh, most of the players did and players wanted to play for Patrick for the most part. Last question I'll ask you, and I, I got to ask this question, uh, no matter how much it stings. And I know that, you know, being that close, it'll always sting, uh, especially because you had a huge part in it. You, I mean, you win the cup that year, Danny, I think you know damn well that you are the Conn Smythe trophy winner uh, in 09, 10 with the stats that you were putting up. If your team wins, what, I mean, I've never even come close to that moment in my life. Uh, what is the emotion of getting that close and losing in the Stanley Cup final? It's it's a weird feeling. It's like it's it's completely empty when it's over. Um, it's like all the work that you put in and, you know, nobody pays attention to to you anymore. Um, that was the weirdest part because for two months you go in and it's, it's a grind and you're living in a bubble. But everybody wants a piece of you um, and, and it, it gets more intense every round that you go. And in, in a Stanley cup final, the whole hockey world is, is watching, you know, and every day there's demands and you got to put in, you know, times for interviews and, you know, people want you and then you're focusing on the, on uh, the, the, the team system and what to adapt and how to adapt. And all of a sudden, you know, that last game is over and it's, it, you know, it ends and it's all over and, and you go home and, you know, nobody's calling for you. You don't have someone tell you telling you that breakfast is ready the next morning. You don't have a meeting, a power play meeting or a team meeting. And it's like, nobody, nobody's there for you anymore. That was the weirdest feeling I, I felt the day after when yeah, nobody was telling you. What's, what's anything. the locker room like when you go in? I mean, what, like, I mean, I can imagine I can, cause I, I mean, I remember game seven, Carolina, when we lost, I, I, I mean, I remember the locker room yeah. that day. I'll never, I'll never forget the faces on the players and especially some, some, you know, some of the important players yourself, Drew, Mike Greer, I'll never forget, um, you know, how it was so silent. I can't imagine. So yeah. Everybody's devastated because you know, you, you know, you're, you're so close and it's so tough to get there, um, to get to, to that that place, it's so tough to get to, and it's another wasted opportunity. Um, and you know, they're, they're so far and few in between. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of times when, uh, when Craig and I have on former players, much like yourself, you know, there's, there's a question that we like to ask players and, you know, Riv reminded me to ask you this before, and I want to make sure I ask it, uh, in case he doesn't. And you kind of touched on it when you were talking about losing the Stanley cup final, when you retired, I went through a very hard time emotionally. Uh, I know a lot of guys go through a hard time emotionally. I know Craig loves this, loves this question and conversation just because it's real. Um, whether you have a story career or, or how much money you make makes no difference. Um, you know, guys struggle after hockey. Did you, I mean, I know you were busy with your kids and everything and, and, but did you have any kind of emotional struggles when you retired from hockey? I, not, not really. Obviously, yes, a little, little bit where, you know, you have, I call it the fantasy life where you're, you're traveling and you know, charter flights and all the food that you want and the best hotels around the world. And you're, you're traveling with your buddies uh, constantly. So it's to me, that was, that was the fantasy life. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, what, what am I doing now? What, what do I do? What's the next step? Um, I, I think it was, it was probably scary more than anything. Um, I, I was fortunate to play as late as I did. I was, you know, 37. My body was was hurting. 
I, I had a hard time getting up the next day, you know, to go to practice. So I knew I was done physically. Uh, so that probably made it a little easier. It's not like I was pushed out, uh, you know, still hoping to play a couple extra years. I, I knew it was the end of the road for me as far as playing. So I, I always feel that that was, that made it probably a little easier. You retired on your own is basically yeah. what happened. You retired, yeah. you played a fantastic career. You played a very, very long time. You ended when you wanted to end. And yeah. I knew it was, you know, fun. you know, I, I like asking those questions. I, I, I like um, to ask the questions I've asked a lot of players and, um, you know, for me, I just, I hear of a lot of players that struggle and it's not necessarily, you know, it, it it's the structure in which we lived our lives for so yeah. long is what I had the hardest problem with. I yeah. didn't know how to live my life on my own. I was told what to do. I was told when to be there, what time you have to be at practice, what time the meetings at, what time you have to be at the airplane or the bus, you know, everything was structured. Hey, you have to be at dinner at six o'clock. It was constant, constant structure. And then once you retire, you, you leave the greatest people in the world. It's your teammates that are they're essentially your brothers and some yeah. brothers you love more than others, but you still love them all. And those trainers are like your therapists, like your fathers, you know, I mean, you're missing an environment that is something that you'll never, you'll ne- never get back to. And that's, that's tough for a lot of players. It's yeah. not you just, you just like, I don't miss the was... game of hockey. I didn't yeah, miss that... the game of hockey whatsoever. You just I said missed... it way better than I was trying to earlier. Um, like you said, it's the structure and, having people there for you and telling you what to do. And all of a sudden you're on your own and you gotta, you gotta figure it out. That was, that, that's the scary, that was a scary part. Yeah. Anyway, what a great interview, Danny, you know, I, I appreciate this. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of Sabres fans that are going to listen to this interview and they're just, they're going to have a smile on their face the entire time. And I can honestly say that, um, you know, I came here in 2009 and I think you left in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. right. Seven. Yeah. And um, I, I always felt, and I've never, I've never said this one single time ever to anyone. Um, I always felt when I was here, I, I was named captain, but I always felt pressure of trying to somehow live up to Danny Briere and Chris Jury. And I don't think that you can, you didn't don't think that so. you can, well, listen, yeah, I, I didn't, no question. I'm joking with you. I mean, come on. No, 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 I, I'm okay with it. I, I got brought well, into an environment where I was an outsider, where you guys grew with this organization and were loved uh, immensely by the fans, the organization, um, everybody that was, uh, that wears uh, sabers on in their heart. You know, when you guys left, it was devastating. And, to try and fill that void was just something that couldn't have been done. It's taken a little bit of time to, uh, it still pains people today to talk about Danny Briere and Chris Jury. That's 0607 still comes up, Danny. Yep. It still comes up. Yep. So thank you for, thank you for saying that. And, you know, I, I think too, when, when you have success that, you know, that goes a long way. Um, we, we were fortunate to have a, uh, a really good team 
for for a couple of years there. Um, you know, those those are years that I'll I'll never forget. Well, I, you know, I I love that Riv got to say his sentimental part, but Danny, I'll never forget how good you were to me. I mean, I was just a fourth line guy, just a guy trying to carve out a career and stay as long as I could in the league. And I mean, you you were great to me. There were things that happened to me uh, throughout my our time together. You were and you were you always reached out and you always made sure that things were okay. And that's what leadership is. I'll never forget it. And I, you know, and just something as small as you saying, you come on and talk to us today. And it means the world to me, um, that, that you and I still keep in touch. So I, uh, that's what, that's what teammates do. And, uh, you know, I, I still see here and there, I have that, that picture, uh, in the house where, uh, PD dumps my, my son Cameron in the trash can. And, and the reporters took, yeah, snapped a picture of that. So that, that's he had all his gear on. It was picture. a year end, it was a year end, uh, meetings and everything. And yeah, I, I was dumping your kid in the, in the garbage. I loved your kids when they were around, they made, I didn't have kids. A lot of our guys, we had a young team. We didn't have kids. So when, when the Briere boys were around, it was a treat, man. They, they kept everybody loose. It was fun. And you could see they loved the game. Right. So it was, it was nice for, for us when we're in our grind you know, to see kids come in just so naive and just having fun. Right. I mean, it was, it was awesome when you brought the kids in. So, so oh, they I, loved it too. Well, I, uh, you know, I hope, I uh, hope he doesn't still hold that one against me, but I still have that picture. I still have it. The newspaper yeah. clipping cause it made it in the newspaper. I think it was in the Toronto star and Toronto star, Toronto sun. And it was in the front page of the sports section. And it said, is this any way to treat the son of a star or something like that. It was, it was always oh, great. It was great. Uh, but I, I miss those days, Danny. I mean, I, I really do. I, I miss them. I miss the camaraderie that everybody yeah. had. And, and you and Drew were a huge part of that. You still keep in touch with Drew? Yeah. Yeah. I bet you, well, I guess you guys do. There. You guys must cross paths. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive how he's, uh, where he's at and what he's done. And, um, very, very proud of him. But, um, I, I don't think we had any doubts that one day he would be where, where he's at. No question. Every now and then, every now and then I get a rant. I try not to bother him. I eh? like, I try not to bother you either, but I try not to bother him. And every now and then I'll just get a random text from him. And it's always something about major league, the movie major league. Cause that was his movie. And we, we that was one of the things that we shared was that movie major league. Cause it was one of my all time favorites. So Danny, you're a class act, man. Anybody listening uh, that doesn't know you will get that impression from this interview, but, and anybody that just watched you play in your interviews, unbelievable there's not a team thank you and great job guys it's, it's always fun catching up and uh great great questions i love it good good luck in, in your next uh in this current venture man as assistant general manager thank you so much it's okay exciting. buddy take care All right that's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle don't forget to follow us on twitter after the whistle and at craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76 you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.